So Die Hard, I have a confession to make. When I first got into sales and selling, I had to make cold calls at the end of my workday and set five appointments before I could go home to people that had just moved into the neighborhood and wanted to hear about a business opportunity. And every single day, I sat and made cold calls until I finally learned how to do it. One of the keys of cold calling is having the right script, having the right frame of mind and making a connection by asking a question. And that is what Michael Padone does. And if you go to salesbuzz.com, B-U-Z-Z, slash sell or die, you'll get a download that's worth its weight in gold or actually worth its weight in sales. And I recommend that you do it right now. Salesbuzz.com slash sell or die. Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Gittimer. And I'm your host, Jen Gittimer. Well, in this podcast, we're going to help you attract more qualified, unbelievable, ready-to-buy clients. We're going to help you build loyal relationships. And the one thing you're hoping for, close more deals. Let's get into it. It's time to sell or die. Welcome, diehards. This is going to be an amazing episode of Sell or Die because I'm with a person who I actually respect for his ability to sell. And he predominantly talks about how to do cold calls, which I am predominantly against. Not 100%, but just predominantly. And so we're going to play point counterpoint today on Sell or Die for your listening and learning pleasure. Please help me welcome the great Michael Padone. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. How many people pronounce your last name Padoni? Quite a few. Idiots, right? Yeah, quite quite a few. What are you going to do? I'm friends with Jeb Blunt, and his last name is spelled B-L-O-U-N-T. I said, Jeb, how many people call you Blount? And he said, only Yankees. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So how long have you been cold calling, Michael? Dude, ever since I got into uh, phone sales, right? So, God, I hate to say it, maybe 30 years. And what made you successful at it at the very beginning? Well, learning how to do it right. Well, in the very beginning, is like you, you, it was just a no quit attitude, and I think that was born from the fact that I never went to college. I barely graduated high school, and I didn't come from a family situation at the time where like there was money to float. Right? It was like you know, you're. I was on my own at a very young age. Yeah, I had to support myself, but I also I had really big dreams, and I knew that we live in the greatest land ever, and the opportunities out there. And if you just apply yourself and you learn and you're not afraid to fail and you're willing to learn from your mistakes and fix things. That's where it all came from. And so I was very good at it. Let's just say I was extremely bad at it for a short period of time and I kept Mm -hmm. fighting through it. And then I literally learned that there really is a, you don't have to have the gift of gab or anything of that nature. You just have to learn the actual steps. And then once you learn how to do that and you learn how to execute that and you just repeat it over and over and over again, and you combine that with your output and your enthusiasm, great things happen. And that's how it started. So Michael just gave you the formula for cold calling success. (laughs) It helps if you love what you do. It helps if you love what you're selling. Because then your passion will, will shine through. You have to believe in what you're selling. No, I don't care if, even if it's inbound warm leads, you have to believe in what, what you're selling that you're going to be able to help people or help solve a situation. Otherwise, nothing else works. It just doesn't work. Yeah, I got into sales so I can make a lot of money is not a good reason to get into sales. 
okay. I mean, I got into sales because I needed to make a lot of money. I wanted to live like a rock star, right? And then so I got into sales for that reason, but I could I was only successful selling the things I believed in. And right. you know, if that helps clarify things at all. I think that helps. So I started my career out cold calling like anybody else would. I actually uh, started selling Encyclopedia Britannica's door-to-door when I just finished high school. Mm. And uh, I failed pretty miserably at that job because they would drop you off in a neighborhood and you have to go bang on doors. And after my second day, the guy, my manager picked me up and said, did you get the kit open? And I said, yeah, I did. That's great. You're on the right path. I'm like, it's the biggest pain in the ass job on the planet. Mm. And I don't want to sell a set of encyclopedias for $500 to people that have no money. So I then went to baby pictures because baby pictures, I was selling them their kid. And it was so easy. I realized like if I show them what they want instead of what I want to try to sell, people will buy. And that was like a huge breakthrough for me without me even realizing it. It took me 30 years to realize don't sell pictures of your kids, sell pictures of their kids. That was like, oh my God, what that was a revelation. But how okay, did you that, handle that, the, same, the same thing could have happened in the encyclopedia thing, right? If they would have dropped you off in a, in a neighbor that had young kids and you just have to go ahead and paint the picture of, you know, you want little Johnny to be getting straight A's, right? You know, so it's just. Well, it sort of dates me to let you know that I was selling encyclopedias, but what did you do with rejection? How did you handle it personally? So I, I didn't, I go, well, how did I fuck this up? You know, what could I have done differently? But with that being said, though, so when you're cold calling, you're getting rejected time after time after time after time. You have to go, okay, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And then as you start to fix things, you fine tune them and then things start to go your way. And by the way, going your way means and cold calling, it's like you're not going to get somebody on the phone every time, right? You're not going to get them on the phone. So you have to make lots of calls until you get them on the phone. And when you do get that person on the phone, you have to know exactly what to say in the first five seconds after you introduce yourself to capture their attention. And so once you you get that and you learn the formula for that, which I can give to you. It's really super easy. Once you do that, then you start having a bunch of successes. And then you have to know that while you're having a bunch of successes, that one call that you make and it doesn't work, don't change everything. You have to flip-flop. So meaning when it's not working, not working, you have to keep fine-tuning until you get it. And then you have some consistency of it working at a high rate. Then you have to be confident enough to know that you had the A factor, what I call the A-hole factor. Every once in a while, you'll run into an A-hole that no matter what you said, they blast you and you just have to ignore that. Right. Because one of the biggest problems salespeople can make, whether they're just starting out or even if they have some experiences, they're using something that works and then they just call somebody. It's just a bad day or whatever for that person and they blast you. And now you're afraid to use what was working and then you change up. And this is where sales slumps start to happen because you've changed what happened because of the A factor. So to answer your question, you have to keep fighting until you get what works and then you got to stick with it. And I can give you the formula for, you know, how to get somebody on the phone. It's, It's super easy. Okay, so I'll get that in just one moment, but I do want to say this. The salesperson's ability to maintain their sense of humor during this whole process Mm. is going to help them overcome almost anything. Oh, you're a jackass. You didn't tell me you're a jackass. Thanks for calling you. I usually get two jackasses a day. You're the first one. Do you know anybody else that might be a jackass so I can call them right now and get it over with? (laughs) That is how you handle it. 
No, Jeff, that's how we used to handle it. First of all, you've always had a better sense. I'm more serious when it comes to this stuff. And you have, you've always, you're the, you're the king when it comes to having the right attitude for this stuff. But yeah, I could definitely remember times where, you know, in that big phone room, that boiler room situation where somebody next to me would say something similar to that. And the manager would high five you if you said it. In today's environment, I'm not sure if we can get away with that same kind of response. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but maybe not. So what's the formula? It's real simple, just like anything else. Before anything happens, you have to pique their interest. You have to pique interest in game permission to continue the call when you're cold calling. Even if you have it to warm lead, you got to do the same thing. So we can get into that in a little bit, but nothing happens if you can't pique their interest in the first few seconds of the call. And this is why so many people are so afraid or they, they data dump or they're trying to do all these other techniques. This first step to cold, successful cold calling is out of the gate, you have to pique their interest. And how do you do that? Well, why don't you start with this? It's real simple. You ready? What problem does your prospect have to have that would make them want to be interested in your solution? Okay. And let's say that I'm calling to sell life insurance. Okay. And I need to engage somebody because I'm there. They already have an uncle, a brother-in-law, an Aunt Ruth somebody that sells a product, what are you going to say to me? Okay. So first of all, you have to understand out of all the prospects that are out there, you're going to have a certain amount, like you said, that they have to use their family or whatever, right? So you're going to run into those, just push those off, but there's going to be a whole other poly. You have to know just because you're selling life insurance, who buys from you the most? And if you're brand new in the life insurance, then I would go to whoever the top sales rep is in your organization or in your division, right? And find out you know, in their territory, what do they look for? What are the, the key? I call them KPIs, key prospecting indicators, right? So we were talking about the, the encyclopedias. I said, well, hey, what kind of neighborhood would you drop off in, right? I mean, if you're dropped off in a fairly new neighborhood, the parents are average medium age of 30, 35, they have two kids that are certain age, right? They're going to, especially back then, because I was one of the kids that the encyclopedias were bought for, right? This is before Google and all that other shit. Yep. So yep. you had to go to a certain pan. I wouldn't probably go to the rich kids' neighborhoods. I probably wouldn't go to the super poor. I'd probably go to the middle because they want their kids to elevate to the next level, right? It's all yep. about knowing who your target audience is. So when you're selling life insurance, you have to find out who is it that needs it. And it could be maybe the wives want the life insurance maybe it's, yeah, for their husbands, right? You have to look at and you're targeting that. You're not just going to the man. You're, you're talking. You know, so that you can say, listen, if God forbid, I know he runs this corporation or something that should happen, what happens to you? What happens to the bid factor? That's correct. Yeah. So this is all part of no matter. This is what blows my mind. It's the same no matter what you sell. You have to start with the same approach. You have to know who your target audience is. Why would they give a so, f about you? So what would you say to these? I have a line for life insurance sales. Okay. Somebody picks up the phone. I say, Mr. Jones, my name is Jeffrey Gittimer. You don't know me from a sack of potatoes. I have one statement to make to you. Everyone's going to die. The only question is how and when. And I want to talk to you today about preparation for your family's security if, God forbid, something happens to you and you pass away before your time. And all I'm asking for is a minute and a half. And if you don't like it, hang up. Fair enough. Okay. And what did you just do? If you analyze what you just said, you did two things. You peaked interest and then you gained permission to continue the call. Right. So you can wordsmith it. This is why I don't do the sales train. I don't even do them live anymore. They're all in the on-demand classes because it's that me having to repeat it live all the time. I just have it in an on-demand class. It'll show you what to do, what you just did, and you can break it up into any industry. You just have to learn how to peak interest and gain permission to continue the call. 
And so you can do this over and over again in any industry. It's the same process. I'm assuming that you don't just have one type of industry that you, when you do your training, right? You, you, you've been doing this for so long and that you have multiple, I think that my last check, I had like over 86 different industries, as long as it's business to business and they all get the same training and they're all successful. Why? Because they're learning the formula on what to do. And then they just have to adapt it to their vertical and their industry. The problem Um, is Jeff is too many people think that they have to have a certain amount of touches. They have to have a tweet, a text, a LinkedIn message, an email, God forbid they have to phone call, but then there's no intent intent in their messaging, right? There's no intent in their messaging. They're just, they're running through the motions. I mean, imagine you go to, you take your kids to Disney in Orlando. And if the characters came out, well, I got my head, I got the outfit on, I just walk around. No, they have to perform every time they step out. And that's like that with when it's a sales call, whether it's face-to-face or over the phone, every time you pick up that phone, you have to raise your intensity level. Your intention has to be there to where I'm going to get this person on the phone. I'm going to make something happen. If you're just going through the motions, man, you're shortchanging yourself in the company that hired you, in my opinion. So the key diehard is you have to transfer your message in a way that the other person displays some kind of interest and will give you some kind of permission to move forward. And if you don't do it right away, you're going to lose. You got 10 seconds at the most. I taught people at the Chamber of Commerce for three or four years in Charlotte to sell memberships when they had their campaign. So they're having these banker ladies who volunteer who couldn't sell their way into a ladies room if they had to, and they didn't want to be there. Mm. So I said, look, here's a very easy way. Mrs. Jones, my name is Mary. I'm, I'm from the Bank of America, but I'm representing the Charlotte Chamber today. And I was wondering when I say the word Chamber of Commerce, what one word comes to your mind? And they're like, it absolutely stuns them. They're having to think to respond. And so it might be networking and you go, oh, that's close, but that's not it. And it's like, you're in this acting. Oh, it's so close. What one word comes to mind? Membership. Oh, that's so close, but that's not it either. Come on, I'll give you one more try. And they get it wrong as well. And I said, look, the one word that describes Chamber of Commerce is opportunity. And I'm calling today to find out how you're taking advantage of that. Now they have to listen to you. And I would get emails from these people going, it works. Like, okay, thanks. (laughs) Like, surprise, surprise. But the challenge is having the right scripting without it being a script. I'm against reading from a piece of paper. I think you got to speak from your heart. If there is a script, learn how to adapt it to your style or your personality. How do you feel about that? I see. And this is where we differ, right? And that's okay. I absolutely feel that they have to have a script. But the thing is this, where we do agree is I feel that one, yes, it has to adapt to personality. Two, they should know it so well that they are never reading it. I think they all should right. be able to role play and practice it. But here's the problem, Jeff. Most scripts, I'm going to be the first one in line to say most sales scripts create more problems than they solve, usually yeah. because it was written by somebody that didn't understand the process, right? And then this was the problem that I, looking back, that I ran into with scripts. I remember going to my manager. This isn't working. This isn't working, right? I would have a top sales rep. They created the script of this one specific company and they gave it to you and it worked for them, but it seemed like it wasn't working for anybody else. Well, you have to understand that each part of the script, if it's done correctly, has to link one step to the next step. And more importantly, the sales rep can't just go, okay, great. I got my script. I'm going to go from start to finish. They have to understand the purpose of each section of the script and what it's designed to do and then how it connects to the next person because you have to learn how to foul off 
you know, every time you're in the, you're about to pick up the phone, I look at it as if you're in the batter's box. Sometimes you're going to get right down the middle. Sometimes you're going to get a, you have to know how to fell off the curves, right? So when you're in a sales conversation, you're trying to get the thing going, you have to know a script to start the opening value statement to pique your interest gain permission. Well, then what do you do? Well, then you have to go to the next step of the script, which is you have to have your engagement question, right? And you have to understand why that's there. And then how to execute it. But what happens if you ask an engagement question or they stop you and they go, hey, well, how much is this? Or they ask you a question that's out of order. You're going to have to know how to foul that off, not go, well, hold on a second. Let me get to the pricing part of the script, right? You have to know how to foul that off and then get right. back to it. Don't buy yet. I'm not finished my pitch. <laughs> Listen, there are some, every once in a while, you will get somebody, go, well, how much is this? And the problem is you don't know if that's a buying signal or if they're just trying to blow you off. So you have to know how yeah. to foul that off. By the way, since somebody's going to ask you, well, how would you do that? And that's off topic right now. Let me just give them the answer. If you ever get that question too early, you go, Listen, I would love to get that to you. But let me ask you this. Do you know enough about our solution that if the price is right, you're ready to move forward now? And if they go, yes, it was a buying signal, then you move forward. But if the answer is no, go, well, let me just make sure it's the right fit for you. Is that okay? Okay, great. And then you get right back on track. But this yeah. is, you have to learn how to think on your feet, but you have to know the process. You're not allowed to buy Mr. Jones until I'm finished. Is that fair enough? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've but seen that happen. Listen, I've seen that. Salespeople happen. do not realize why they're hired. They're not hired to sell. They're hired to think. And if they can think, the other person will buy. But you have to be able to think on your feet. And you have to be able to think about the responses as they come back to you. And the guy says, well, I'm not interested. Oh, I'm so happy. I was hoping you say I'm not interested. That's one of the best things that people say to me. Instead of saying, well, okay, well, think of us. Can I leave my number that you can never call back again as long as you're alive? Yeah. There has to be a rebuff that's fun. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. If you're getting not interested a lot and you're making your outbound calls, that's a symptom, right? And so one, what you're saying is not resonating. That's probably the chances. What you say after hello, my name is, is not peaking interest. It's not agitating and paying scratching. Correct. Interest, right? So that's usually the number one issue. The second thing it could be is that you're calling the wrong type of target audience, right? You didn't get a list of highly probable prospects that are in there. So, and then the third thing could be your tone, like you're just mailing it in, right? You're just going through the motions. So it's usually yeah. one of those three, if you're hearing it a lot that, hey, I'm not interested. But then again, I've seen too many salespeople where they get somebody on the phone and they do an entire presentation within the first, you know, a minute or so. And then they yeah. hear an answer and I'm like, well, you blew it. You're not supposed to say so much. You have to peak interest first, gain permission, and then ask them in questions to get them into the sales conversation. When you follow that process, you're going to be golden. Too many salespeople blame the customer when someone says they're not interested. As you said, it's a symptom. The problem is you're not interesting. And if you were a little more interesting, maybe people would respond to you in a different way. Don't blame the other guy. Take responsibility for the fact that they said this and figure it the hell out that you're better than that. You know, but Jeff, I, let me get, for diehards that are listening for Michael has amazing insight. Just realize that he is a champion cold caller and cold call trainer. But if he wasn't a champion cold caller, he could never be a champion trainer. That my fair to say on that? Yeah, absolutely. And then that's the, that's the problem okay. with today's world is too many people are acting as if they know what they're talking about. They don't have the skills to back so it we're up. We're going to ignore those. We're going to ignore those people are idiots. <laughs> and there's plenty of them. Anytime they're followed with the word guru, you know, they're idiots. When I cold called in Manhattan many years ago, I never made an actual cold call without a specific target. I used targeted cold calls in order to be able to make that happen. And I think that that's a way 
to put it in perspective that if I know I want to call all dentists, if I know I want to call all lawyers, if I want to know I want to call all small retailers, that's a target. And then I would take it down to something specific where I had an idea for somebody and I would go in prepared with an idea and then make a cold call. That's right. And I could get I, literally in New York City, I get through 100% of the time because I had an idea and I knew who I wanted to talk to. But if you're on the phone and you're trying to make connections, you better have a specific thing to say to that target, for that target, in order to gain their interest. And I'd like you to talk about gaining interest for just a minute or two. Yeah, it's, it's the same process that you use in New York face-to-face that you do on the phone. You have to peak interest and gain permission. So too many people think the definition of cold calling is just blindly calling. You know, Listen, when I got started, it was, hey, there's a phone book, go at it. Yeah. And that's how we had to learn. But yeah, listen, when you know who your target audience is, and then you have to understand what problems would they have to have in order for them to be at least interested in what I have to offer, then you have to know how to agitate that pain, scratch that itch in the beginning in the first few seconds. And then instead of using the 1990s playbook of asking them a probing question so you can take control of them, right? You want to gain the permission. So just like what you said, you, you said fair enough right? That made it easy for them to go. They saw the benefit for them. They go, okay, sure. Mine is this. If I caught you at a good time, I'd like to, let me just give you the whole thing. If I call a, a sales director and do my research, I see they have a, a decent sized sales team. I go, hey, it's Michael Padone with salesbuzz.com. The reason for my call, I specialize in helping outbound sales teams overcome call reluctance. And if I caught you at a good time, I'd like to ask a few questions just to see if what we have to offer might be of some help to you. Would that be okay? Now, listen, a VP of sales or a sales director, they got 10, 15, 20 sales reps, probably half of them, if not more, have call reluctance. So they almost always go like 90% of the time or more, I get, yeah, sure. I got a second, go ahead. Their ears are up, their guard is down. That's the formula. You can use different words. Jeff did the same thing with his opening for the life insurance. That was phenomenal. And then you end it with, well, you know, fair enough. You're gaining that permission. But if you look at both scenarios, it was the step before that was you peaked their interest with a what's in it for them value statement. If I would have called and said, the reason for my call is I provide online sales training, I would have heard, no, thanks. No, we're all set. We have something in-house. Now I could call a company that has sales training in-house already, but if they still have a problem of call reluctance, they're going to want to talk to me. Yeah. Right. So the question is, can you make it fun? And I'm going to give you a specific example. I happen to be a world-class expert at copy machine sales. Mm. arguably one of the hardest things to do. And every guy has to go cold call his ass off, try to get through the gatekeeper to somebody that could potentially decide. So this is what I did. It requires four pieces of paper and a small bottle of perfume. And you walk into the gatekeeper and you say, hey, I'm Jeffrey. I'm with ABC Copier. I'm going to lay these four pieces of paper out and a bottle of perfume. If you can guess the two copies and the two originals, I will give you the perfume. If you cannot, then you have to put me through to a decider. Fair enough? It's beautiful. No bullshit. No, I'm with the ABC copy. We're the best fucking copy on the planet. We, 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 I'd like to talk to the person. Go away. Let me tell you a story, Jeff. Before COVID and all this other stuff, when we had offices, I used to share an office with my wife's business that she had. And we would hear when a copier person would come to the front desk, right, and try to introduce themselves. And the next thing you, you would just hear our doors shut. We don't want to see this. Like it would just, that would be the sign for the gatekeeper front. Like we're not fucking talking to this person. I have no time for the stupid, hi, we're this. And we're, you know, we want to earn your business and we're the number one, you know, copy. I got no time for it. Yeah. But an intro, like what you did, that's getting creative. And now here's the thing, Jeff, you have a very 
natural, unique way that works for you with that sense of humor, which is amazing since you're from Philly. And so I don't know how you got that. But with that being said, we get headed from losing and not losing our heads. <laughs> so I'm more intense and serious on this stuff. It's hard for me to, I get a laugh every once in a while because a lot of people that actually know me know I'm a lot of intense. So when I do throw a joke, it's like it really lands. It's like it's out of character. But for, so what would you say to somebody that likes what you're saying, but it's not a good fit for them. Like it's, it's not in their natural ability. Oh, I would say this. I would say it's going to take you a longer time to get through those doors. And you might want to try exposing yourself to more humor because mm. YouTube's got everything you need for free, clean yeah. and dirty. And if you become a student of humor, which I did, by the way, when I was in the seventh and eighth grade, a bunch of guys would get together and all we would do is listen to records of funny people. And you can't help it. You gain the sense of you gain the understanding of what makes people laugh. And once you have that, it becomes part of your own physiology. And the more you do it, the more you feel better about it. Yeah, it depends think, on how you were raised. You know, I think the thing that salespeople that are struggling that want to get better need to hear is that the linchpin, the things where we overlap is no matter what style it was, it piqued the interest because it had the what's in it for them. You yeah. use more of humor. I use a little bit more of a direct. Right. And I only bring that up is because I don't want somebody to hear like, oh, all I have to do is make them laugh and they'll give me the appointment. Well, if you make no, them laugh, but if good. you can make them laugh, you have a better shot of making them buy. Absolutely. Right. Uh, humor uh, lowers the guard a lot. And yeah. I still think that it's important for them to realize that they have that what's in it for them. And if you want to use the humor, and it's even more to your advantage as far as that goes. So uh, diehards, we're listening to Michael Padone. He's literally one of the few people that I respect in our industry. He's not just here because he's a good guy cold calling. He's here because he's fucking good at it. And you need to understand that if you're in the cold call business, that Michael can help you make it easier, smoother, faster, and more successful. I would record that as a testimonial. You can use it forever. I appreciate but that. This is the challenge. It's frustrating. You're going to get rejected. You're going to get hung up on. People are going to swear at you. If you're that weak of a human being, sales may not be for you. You may want to go to Walmart and get a job as a greeter or get a job at McDonald's with the closing question, do you want fries with that? But if you're going to be great at sales or you want to succeed at sales, it's about how you believe and your perseverance factor, how you can take it, your resilience, because you got to kiss a lot of toads to find the prince. With that being said, too, though, I mean, yes, I have the background experience of, you know, having to make not just tens of thousands of cold calls, hundreds of thousands of cold calls. And here's the thing, Jeff. I don't want sales reps to have to make cold calls, right? I mean, I would rather them have inbound warm leads that are hand raisers from qualified prospects all day long. The good news here is when you learn to master the cold call that I have, right, this process that I have, you use the same steps and techniques on an inbound warm lead, your close rate goes up because you're not skipping steps, right? And so it's the same I, process. I have said for years, Cold calling is a lousy place to make a sale, but it's a great place to learn how to sell. Mm. And if you have the perseverance to go through, you're paying thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars for a college education, and it's going to teach you to get a job at Xerox selling copy machines. So you might as well learn how to sell along the way yeah. in order to be able to become more successful. This is a matter of persuasion and perseverance and resilience in order to be able to get to that next level. And Michael will help get you there for... One hundredth of the college tuition. And that's what, you, you know, this, he's going to teach you 
that even if you don't have balls, you can gain them by learning how to cold call, man or woman. That's right. That's right. Plus, you just make a lot more money. I mean, I couldn't be in the position I am today if I didn't know how to sell. I don't work for anybody else. I haven't in, in forever. I built one company and sold it. But that was all. I, I was I started my first company in a marketing company after I decided to stop being a straight commission salesman for somebody else. I wanted to win it for my own business. Built that. Within five years, I cashed out, sold it for a seven-figure deal. And then I started salesbuzz.com. I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't know how to sell and be able to hit the phones, make that happen, build the company. And But it, when I got into sales, like I said, I wanted to live like I was actually wanted to be a rock star growing up, right? With the guitars and the bands and all that stuff. But then when that wasn't working out, I needed a backup. And since I didn't have a college education, I barely graduated high school. And it wasn't like a, I was born with a silver spoon by any stretch of the imagination. It's like, I am going to have to make it happen on my own. And sales was just that lifeblood. I mean, the better you get at selling, I mean, I have never worked for a company that said that they had a cap on their commissions. I mean, I guess there are some out there, but the majority don't. So the better you are at this, the more money you can make. And I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for the options that the money buys and gives. And, you know, there were times I was cold calling and I freaking hated going to work sometimes because it was tough. But then I got good. I just, you had to persevere. For me, I had no alternative. There was no, well, I'll just go to you know Domino's and deliver pizzas. I'm not going to do that, right? Because I'm not going to make the money. So I had to persevere and push through. But when you keep failing and you learn from it, you get to a level. Now, all of a sudden, you're making money. You're being successful at it. And you grow from there. And it's worth it. Everything worth having is going to be a struggle. We are going to have Michael Batone back again to talk more about cold calling. Die Hard, this has been as good a lesson as you possibly can get. In cold calling, if your manager tells you that you have to cold call, say, I'm more than happy to do it. I just need Michael Badone to teach me. Mm. And to me, the best answer you possibly can get, I'm prejudiced because I actually like him. But if you're from fucking Pittsburgh or something, it's very hard to do. So I want you to keep an eye out. We're going to put all of his information in the chat so you can be able to get a hold of him anytime you want. I hope you do. But in the meantime, Michael, thank you very much for being here today. Thanks, Jeff. Anytime. It's a pleasure. And die hard. Go out there and make a few cold calls, even if your ass falls off. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to like, share. Yeah, share with both your friends. And subscribe to the podcast. And remember, we have a free 22-day sales challenge. Just go to Gutimer.com slash sales challenge to start you on your way.